What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Alpha Creek Podcast in a new and improved studio out here, out here in LA, interviewing someone who might be one of the biggest founders of the of what the, what has changed the entire course of America today. That what, and I don't even want to get too dramatic with it, but it's true. When you hear this guy's story, this guy was one of the founders or one of the pinnacle points behind MySpace. Now, if you're too young to listen to this, that's fine. You don't know what MySpace is. It was basically Facebook before Facebook was, okay? And that was what I believe led to social media. I think we talked about Facebook as if that's the first, but really, truly, it was MySpace. And actually, there's quite a few things that this man has accomplished here today, uh, but I don't want to give too much of it away. I'm going to let him tell you himself. Like I ask every guest, we're going to dive right into what made this dude such a badass dude. Ted, thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, Jeremiah. So listen, man, I, I go into your story, right? And the thing is, I used to read off my guest bios because I read off and there's all like this list of accomplishments, but then I feel like I butcher it, right? Because I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. I want to hear from your mouth. How the fuck did you get to this point, right? I mean, you're 27 years old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he looks like he's 27, but he's not. Um, you're at this point in your life where you have, I, and truly, I believe MySpace and what you accomplished there has changed the world. I mean, I don't think people talk about that enough. That was the foundation of social media. And I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But first and foremost, what's your story? How the hell did you get to this point in your life doing all this shit? We're going to talk about your other business as well. But like, what led you here to this point, Ben? Sure. I mean, I think that's really interesting, but I re I'm just really curious about your hair, man. I love, like, you can talk about your hair. You can grab it a lot. I need to talk about your hair the whole time. It's pretty It's really awesome. It's glorious. Yeah, I love it. It is my favorite haircut I've ever had. Yeah, so good, man. I'll give you some. Yeah, okay, let's go. So what brought me, it's really simple, you know? So at a really young age, my father drilled this into me, and a lot of everything that I've done is really attributed to stuff that's been drilled into my head as a, as a, as you know, as a kid, you right. know, it's like, you know, you gotta be careful of who you're around. This started with that way because you will become them. Yeah. Um, and then it evolved to with, be careful of who you're not around because yeah. you really want to be them, you know? And it's, so it's, you know, I figured out how to replicate things at a very early age based on people around me and people who I can access and, Hey, these guys have done this stuff. Let's figure out how to get access to them and add value to their lives so they can show me how to do what they've already done. You know, it's just classic, you know, and I do this all the time. I do this every day. Someone's talking about a new business that they're, you know, they're starting. Hey, let me put you in, you know, let me connect you with these guys. I don't know them, but I'll get to them yeah. and they'll show you how to do what you need to do. You know, and that's kind of how it works. It's beyond just me. It's people around me. Yeah. So my story is, you know, like I, I was you might have seen me in the film Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> but you're too young to know what that is. No, I know what that one is. I know that one. <laughs> Are you lying to kick it? No. <laughs> okay, you know. No, I'll, I'll wear the C here on the. Okay, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I no, I I was born in India, but I didn't really spend much time there. I I grew up in San Francisco, mm. and, and I spent most of my adolescent years there. And in 2023 years ago, I moved to LA. Mm. And it was for a startup. I was I was in part of the whole dot com boom in the mid nineties. Right. And um See, I'm just gonna tell you that's what's so funny is when I say like because yeah, we you even we were talking joking like about your age because they're straight up like my wife says you look like your twenties. I would have guessed like somewhere in thirties. 
you're talking to me about like you're in the 90s boom yeah. and like that's when i was born yeah i know right? <laughs> yeah. i was trying to emphasize that's right okay. the 90s you're like i wasn't even born wasn't even there. Yeah. i wasn't even there yet right. but it okay. was a concept probably you know your parents conceptualized right. yes so that, what you had concept your business right was the con- yeah. <laughs> yeah so um and so around that time um i you know i worked in so i was in silicon valley so i was exposed in college i was going to school uh while i was working so i was working for these startups and at the time we didn't know what the fuck they were you know they're like these tech companies what is that you know what really is it you know and and just started working for them and i was doing sales and stuff like that and just started growing really fast because that whole world exploded i kind of grew with it really fast too and and got a lot of experience pretty quickly and then just started to you know evolve and and start businesses within the companies you Mm. know and so responsible for business units and things like that yeah and then I was adopted by certain people like mentors you know i wanted to learn how to do certain things i wanted to get in at other places and i was around people that were smarter than me you know and then so i realized that i just always want to be around people that are smarter than me i want to be the smallest guy in the room yeah. all the time right. you know and so that promotes growth right i start learning and so my story really is just i was always the smallest guy in the room and i learned really early how to do that you know and how to be attractive to the people that were bigger than me you know like hey why is this guy around us he's smaller than us but hey you know what he's adding a lot of value because i'm always connecting people mm-hmm. really good and smart people so i i came to la for a startup it was called lowermybills.com lowermybills.com's job was to at the time it was um, a consumer lead gen company consumers would go on the side try to lower their bills hey long distance at the time it was like long distance you have no idea what that is no. but it was like long distance Not- calling <laughs> internet you know um things like that lower my credit card bills and stuff like that so i came along i started a business in um san francisco for a, a competitor of theirs to go after a company called lending tree mm. everyone's heard of lending tree you yeah. go on lending tree and you fill out a form and lenders compete and you're supposed to get a better rate right for your mortgages yeah. so i figured hey let's start that business here and so we did we started that business and and the company you know crushed it it blew up and um Eventually, we sold the company to Experian a couple mm. years later. So yeah. it was really nice. And then um, I didn't want to work for a while because I felt like sales and business development was consuming my soul. You know, like every salesperson goes through that. It's like, hey, this is like, what am I selling? I'm selling leads. Yeah. It's not really helping the world or changing the world. Or whatever. Yeah. In that perspective at that time, I thought it was like my soul was sucked out of me. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to quit sales. <clears throat> so then Tom was a good friend of mine said, Hey, let's go. Um, let's do, uh, let's do parties. <laughs> so, anyway, so it came after my, my space came after my space was Tom's idea and, 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 and baby. And, and he developed the whole thing. Uh, he's not a developer. He's a product guy, but he, yeah. the whole concept and kind of went after, uh, there was not a lot of people know this, but the first social network was a company called Friendster. Ah, and that was, that's different than Napster, right? Different. Friendster was a social network. It was kind of like MySpace, but it was super early and very restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. So went after Friendster and said, Hey, let's make it a little more lib, like more, more loose and, and less conservative. And, and Hey, by the way, dating sites are taboo Mm. at the time. Yeah. So let's make this like more, you know, like more mainstream. Mm -hmm. MySpace was pretty much a dating site, you know what I mean? But it was like, let's make it more mainstream. Yeah. Except let's call it a social, it's a social network. People are becoming friends. There's a lot of stuff going on, music, all kinds of things, you know? And so. Um, that's basically the idea. And so it's starting to grow from there. We're, we're doing launch events all around the world that, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It's crazy. We're doing exclusive content deals with guys like Pharrell and 
and every record label and movie studio um, on the planet. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, during that era, we were you know, friends with all these guys, like Tommy Lee and everyone, and they're just all our buddies are always around us, you know? So it was, it was great. It was um, exciting. It was a lot of fun. And then we sold it and then uh, to News Corp. And then right after that, uh, there was a problem that needed to be solved for MySpace around the time that our earnout was en uh, ending. The earnouts ended in 2008, 2009. I left and started in a company to, to service MySpace and solve problems that MySpace had. I had too many ads that were going under monetized. So I started this ad tech company and uh, MySpace was the first customer. Mm -hmm. And we had, a, you know, by the end of the year, almost a thousand customers. So crushed it, grew it, you know, several hundred million in revenue before we took it public on an IPO, ran it for six years, public, got tired of the whole public thing, and then I fully exited. And so I've got a bunch of other stuff going on right now too. But all of this, all of these ideas, like taking a company public, like how many people have done that? You know, it's not a lot. Right. Dan has, so. Yeah. Dan Fleischman. Yeah, has. shout out to Dan. Yeah, what's yeah. done? It was like the youngest guy to ever do it. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, yeah. So um, I've done it twice, and it is, it is purely because of the people I was around. Where do those ideas come from? You know, it's kind of like a crazy concept. You know, it's like, hey, let's take a company public. Wait, what do you do? Like, yeah. what, what's the first step? Yeah. Second step, what do you do? Well, the guys that are around you that have done it are the ones that'll help you figure it out really fast, you know? And that's exactly what happened. So I have these guys around me. One of these guys, um, Robbie Lee, he was, uh, he was, he did the biggest dry cleaning roll up in history. So he took mom and pop dry cleaning companies or shops and aggregated thousands of them with uh, pri a private equity, meaning no public cash. I mean, not a public vehicle. It was no cash. He was buying all these companies, uh, stores with a dream, selling them a dream, saying, hey, he was basically giving them private paper, meaning equity in a private company that wasn't trading. Hey, we're going to get you shares in this public company that may eventually go public. So he's buying these dry cleaners. Like it was the craziest thing with zero cash. And these things were like, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars a piece. You know, there were a lot, you know, dry cleaning operations. And he aggregated thousands of them and he took the whole thing public. And it was the biggest dry cleaning roll up in history. It was the, it was called US dry cleaners. It was really big. Anyways, this guy was a friend of mine. He was around me and this guy's a uh, 900 pound gorilla. He was, you know, huge. Yeah. And how did I become close to him? You know, so I had to figure out how to add value in his life and he helped me figure it out. So it's always been about getting access to people that have done what you want to do and being really careful about who you're around because that could change the trajectory of your life and it could, it could let you break through or it could break you. Yeah. So, so that's the well, how do you gauge that? No, so because the reason I ask that is in my journey, I've, I've, you know, recently, especially been around a lot of big names, right? And, you know, as I've gone around these big names, you know, there are people who I've looked up to, right? People I've been watching for quite a while. Some of them turned out to be better than I thought. Some of them turned out to be kind of what I thought. And then there's others. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I was like, I had no idea. Sure. That's how that person was. And, you know, it's, 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 it's how do you roll back the red tape? What's, what's your process for that? And rolling back the red tape and just like understanding, is this someone I could trust? Cause just cause someone has accomplished thing doesn't necessarily mean there's someone you should trust, right? Or how, how have you, you know, navigated that? Yeah, for me, it's like, you know, I have this, I have this like inherent talent. I only have one talent. Like I'm not talented, can't play a musical instrument. Yeah. I've always wanted to, my parents didn't let me. They said I had to do math. 
Wow. Indian, you know, I right. couldn't play sports. They wouldn't let me. I got to do math, you know, right. naturally. Yeah. It's weird. You it's know, just, it makes sense. Yeah. So I have one talent <laughs> with math and, and, um, and, and, you know, this, this other thing, which is like, Hey, like I, um, failed to mention that I did move around a lot as a kid. I, I grew up most of my adolescent years in San Francisco, but my, my dad was an engineer and during the eighties old oil crisis, we had to move a lot for him because he needed to find a job. And yeah. so I went to like 12, 13 different schools before I hit 12th grade. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of crazy. So I, I inherited this, um, well, I adopted this trait of like figuring people out pretty quickly, you know, right. So like, I, I kind of have a lot of experience with, with character, you know, understanding people's character pretty quickly. So that kind of stuff. Right. But qualifying criteria generally for me is like, you know, how are these people behaving? Yeah. One, a like, couple things, you know, I have a, a group of like 45 guys in this dinner club. We do a dinner at, at Craig's here in LA every Thursday. We've been doing it for three years and there's 12 guys at the table and every, every, every week we're rotating, you know, between the 45 guys and I've qualified all these guys. I've invited them personally, vetted them all out and they all have a couple things in common. One, they're not arrogant. That's a big thing, right? There's no egos. These guys are all just happy, coachable, you know, like happy to learn, you know, they, they want to feel like they're the smallest guys in the room too. So that's a characteristic that I look for in people generally when I want to associate with them, because a lot of people that you find are like successful and have grown pretty fast are like generally, and, and they're learning still, they're pretty coachable, you know, pretty malleable. Right. And with that comes the, no insecurity, right? The insecurity without the insecurity, you have confidence. And so these people are confident, but not arrogant, you know? So those things, you know, those are, those are really key. I can't be around arrogant people. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, dude, I mean, you, we just like, this is something I talk about actually in my book, but like, I've talked about this for years. If I were to nail down, I used to say the two C's, but now I've, I've added the third because it just, it, there's no way to leave it out. The three C's of success. If you, if you'd show me a human being who has these three things, they'll be, they'll succeed no matter what it is. Right. And it's confidence, courage, and coachability. Absolutely. I mean, if you got confidence, I can work with you, man. Right. Yeah. Cause I just need you to at least believe in yourself enough. Sure. Cause I like if 7 billion people on the planet believed in you yeah. and you didn't believe in you, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Right? right. But if you believe in you absolutely, and 7 billion people on the planet don't guess what? The odds are still in your favor. Yeah. Somehow that, that the, the scales still tip in your favor. Right. That's the kind of power. And they talk about the courage to take action, take risk, but really, you know, at the end of the day to combine all that, to still be coachable. Yeah. I right? didn't like seek after that. Right. That's it's, critical. Yeah. I mean, so dude, I love it. Cause you're just saying this. I'm like, like I wrote about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm probably one of the most coachable people you'll meet. I don't know shit, man. Yeah. Really? I'm happy to say that. Mm -hmm. I know some things about some things, but you know, there are people out there that know more about every single thing I know hundred percent. I'm happy to meet them. And I can't wait, you know? Uh, so that's the idea. You know, like we've, we've accomplished things, but mm -hmm. in, in proportion to what, or in relation to what, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at it from that perspective, where, where are we, you know, like, are we like on some sort of a timeline or is there a ranking or something like that? I don't know. You know, I'm not sure, but if there was, there's no reason for any of us to be arrogant, mm, you know, cause yeah. none of us that we know yeah. are, you know, like, you know, unless you're Elon Musk, maybe, right. yeah, I don't know. Then but, he's, I mean, yeah, it's but, but it's different too, right? Yeah. He, he's also coachable still. So he is, I mean, that something that is actually crazy is he is from what I've understood about Elon is that dude is learning every single day. Absolutely. That's why he's been able to pick up, you know, arrow fit, you know, hair, like what, what do you call it? Like NASA air, arrow. See, now I'm, I'm so doing, I can't, I can't even describe what the fucker does. Right. Yes. Or, right. you know, like, yes. or like social media, mm -hmm. you know, you name it. He's he's dove into it and had success in all of it. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm curious cause I'm listening to you talk. Right. And I feel like we could go 
to talk all about the business path a lot, but when you what you're talking about is deeper than business, mm-hmm. right? What you're talking about is deeper than that, and that's actually more of a a spiritual level of tricks, right? Absolutely. And and you know, you can talk to some people, they're just strictly business, yeah. right? You know, the way it's X's and O's, it's numbers, it's it's understanding, you know, people, if they don't fit the mold, then it's, mm-hmm. you know, fired, right? And, and, you know, that's still, you can have success in business that way. But what you're talking about is almost a different thing. I would, I would equate it to almost like energy and working with, you know, who you overall have become mm-hmm. through your coaching and really understanding that you don't know a whole lot in the big, you know, big scheme of things is that there's so much to learn. Yeah. And obviously, you know, based on what you're telling me with your newest business coming up, that seems to be a deep part of who you are and what's made you this way. Yeah. So when you get through these phases and projects and, and relationships and friendships and all this stuff through, you know, experience and you get to a certain point in your life, you start realizing that all these consistencies are there and the fundamental stuff is, is always going to stay the same. And so from my perspective, there's been a, a lot of change in the last six, seven years for me, I was driven by, and I'm Indian. So my, you know, my upbringing was really just focused on whatever you do starting from school, you have to focus on making money, you know, we're Indian, you know, like, so my parents drilled it in me. I mean, it's good. I I had a great, you know, childhood and my parents raised me right. And I got my ass kicked, which is important. That's very important. Yes. I endorse that. Right. (laughs) Right. To a certain extent. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, for me, my drive was entirely related to business for a long time, you know, so everything I did my mood would be affected by, you know, how well I was doing or, and, and I'm a risk-taking CEO. I'm like the highest risk-taking CEO. A lot of people have met, you know, I take the craziest risk and I, and I calculate downside and I just roll, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't take a long time to make any decisions. I just, just make the decision. I roll, I roll, right. That's it. So my drive is, was always, this is always business. So I, I watched myself transform over different eras, you know, when the business was doing well, the business not doing well, you know, and so when business not doing well, I would physically transform. I transformed in t- into this character or this person that, you know, I didn't like, you know, and it was like, I would put on weight. I would, you know, like I'd retain water. I'd have inflammation in my body. I'd not work out. I would eat like, eat like shit. I would, you know, I'd be super stressed out in a corner in fight or flight, you know, and this happened because my definition of my character, the definition of my character was entirely uh, attributed to my, you know, how well I'm doing in business. So that had to change, right? So over the last six, seven years, I realized it and it, it it took some time and I realized what was most important to me and what defined my character truly. And it was never business. Business is just, you know, business is business, you know, just in and out, whatever you do well, you do not doesn't define you. It doesn't change who you are, you know? So I realized what was most important to me was my family, my friendships, and not just basically, Hey, you're my friend. You're my friend. It's really cultivating these relationships, having deep relationships and friendships and, and finding new friends. Right. And, and, and I don't have any surface level acquaintances, all my people that I'm usually interacting with are my close friends, you know, and I make people like really, you know, I I have depth and friendship with, with these people. So that was really important to me. And then the thing that I felt was like most important to me was health and wellness, right? So what I realized was I need to compartmentalize my life in a way that I have daily wins in all these compartments. And that would offset, you know, like, Hey, if I have a bad day in business or bad year, whatever yeah. it is, you know, I'm still winning every day. Like I'm crushing in fitness. 
I'll outlift you and anybody you know. Like I had like a 150s and dumb, you know, flat yeah. press dumbbells each. Yeah. You know, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know? I don't know what you lift. I'm just saying that, you know, but um, based on the mullet, I think you lift a lot. So <laughs> what does it? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, like I'm crushing and I'm winning, you know, I got to like 7% body fat last year and, you know, I put on a little bit of weight since then, but yeah, I'm probably, probably still around 10, 11%, but you know, I'm winning every day in that area and, um, and, and, you know, not just working out, but you know, the stuff I eat, you know, I was fasting 23 hours a day for, I did that for three years. I don't have, I don't drink alcohol. I don't, I don't, the only caffeine I have is matcha once in a blue moon. That's about it. I don't have coffee. Um, and I'm really, you know, I watch what I eat. I'm gluten-free, you know, all this stuff, you know, oh. and, um, and I'm carnivore, you know, so Hell yeah. I'm winning, you know, I feel really That's good. That's rare in LA. <laughs> they don't believe in that around here. You know, LA, I got a lot of this blood blue, you know, yeah. weird shit, right. there, you know, right. it's, it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. But, um, it's made a huge difference in my life. I'm, you know, a true testament to it, you know, like I, I changed years ago, my diet and I feel fantastic. I'm 47. Yeah. Most people don't believe it, you know, yeah, right. It comes with like all this stuff. Anyways. Yeah. You're a pure liar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, so I've had to, you know, change my lifestyle, realize what's most important to me, spend the most time doing that stuff. And by the way, all this other shit, you know, like that I was really thinking was the most important, it fixes itself. Cause you know, when you feel good and you're, you're winning every day. You make great decisions. You make better decisions. And by the way, besides the decisions, you're attracting people mm. that are winning. Yeah. Winners want to be around winners, right? Ah, right. And you're attracting people that are good and that, that are winning. They want to, they want that energy and you're winning. And so, you know, it's fantastic. So you're attracting winners. So your circle's getting better and you have good energy and all that stuff. So it, it's a pretty big shape. Now, a, a few things that really helped me out a lot. So I just stopped drinking like three years ago. I never had uh, much alcohol in my life. I've got this weird thing where. If I have one or two drinks, I get migraines, you know, like mm. the next day. So that was lucky for me and never really drank. But, uh, you know, I was fasting three hours, you know, uh, 23 hours a day and I was working out like crazy and all this other stuff. And then I was drinking, mm. you know, like one or two drinks, you know, every time I'd go out or something yeah, like that, you know, which is still like, you know, poison, right? So I cut that out around the same time I discovered microdosing, you know? So one of my friends in the tech world, he was like, um, he's, he sold the company to Facebook. He um, built another three, three, $4 billion company in a matter of three years. I mean, the guy's a powerhouse, right? He tells me one day, he's like, hey, um, you know, all of the success that I've had over the last five, six years has been attributed to mushrooms, mushrooms, psilocybin. The whole, hey, so he says that if you're attributed to one thing, he says that. Yeah, it's that. Wow. Yeah. And so this guy, and, and I said, what are you, are you yeah. out of your mind? You know, like, what do you yeah. say? But I can't say that because the guy's crushing, yeah. you know? He's full of shiitake. It's crazy. It's a thing. <laughs> so like, basically he had to all, you know, he had to deal with a lot of stuff internally. And then he basically told me that he, all his new ideas come from these, you know, mushroom journeys. They're called journeys. Right. And so, anyways, I couldn't do the journeys and stuff. So he, I wouldn't do it. I said, it's not for me. I don't do any drugs. I never, I never was into drugs. I didn't even smoke weed, nothing, you know? And so he got me, um, sent me some stuff to read and kept sending me things to read the science, you know, the studies, these double blind placebo controlled studies about the benefits of psilocybin, you know, in your brain, the new, uh, neural network connections and, um, neurogenesis, you know, like all this stuff in your brain that you benefit from, uh, with psilocybin. So anyway, so I read this stuff and I'm like, why wow, this is insane and depression, right? So, Hey, all of us entrepreneurs are mildly depressed, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Right. We are because the risks and you know, all that stuff, right? It's so, hard to live with. Ah, fantastic. Let me try it. So then I started, tried microdosing. And I tried a bunch of different brands and, you know, this is kind of like my journey through it, like over three years. And I said, 
hey, these guys, okay, this is great. This is good stuff, you know? But then at the same time, and it really changed my mood. You know, I was always cheerful and happy and, you know, just good energy and, and um, making better decisions and all that stuff around that time. And I, and I discovered, I said, hey, you know what? There's a lot of inconsistency in all these products that I was trying, you know? It was just weird, you know? Like, what's going on? Like, why do you not feel the same every time? It's really strange. So I started asking questions. I got close to the founders of these companies. Like I met all of them. Yeah. And I asked them and say, Hey, what are you doing? They said, well, I, you know, I said, why is it inconsistent? And they told me this, well, cause the strains of mushrooms are different. I'm like, why are you using different strains every time? They said, oh, because we get different deals on the, I said, this isn't terrible. This isn't, yeah. So that led me to like, Hey, let me reverse engineer this whole, mm -hmm. this whole thing and figure out how to make a better product, you yeah. know? Right. And then, so I did. So we made a better product very strain specific and it is um predictable the outcome is predictable every time mm. essentially so it you know it's um it's kind of like it, it was a passion project for me so that's kind of we came with asante that's what's called asante asante is a five or six year old brand it was a biodynamic supplement brand so we had all kinds of really cool products like anti-inflammation cognitive product um weight loss product things like that and then um we added a CBD line as well. So we have CBD for like even pets and, and, um, even stuff like bath bombs with CBD in them and stuff like that. So it's been doing really well for a long time. And then we just added the psilocybin product to that as well. Yeah. So uh, under the same brand. That's really cool. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about, so have you ever had, and this might be a sacred question that you tell me not to go into. Yeah. Have you ever had a journey because like, you know you talk about microdosing right is different than having those kind of journeys right one's very deep yeah you know long and that you know like it, it happens within a day or two the other one is you know microdosing yeah. throughout the days right have you ever had a journey yeah i have one. so just to like you know just to kind of clarify this tangent that i'm on right now about the the psilocybin stuff we're going to go back into a, into a complete loop and i guarantee you it's going to make sense <laughs> yeah right so essentially, so this journey, so I, I haven't had a journey, right? A journey is like 10 grams or more, right? Or like a five to 10 grams. 10 grams? Right. With, and, and you do it with a shaman, right? Like, which is like a licensed therapist. Yeah. They know this stuff. It's not like some like fuck boy with shaman.com certificate, okay? <laughs> yeah. In LA, because they have those too. They're like, sure they do. You know, yeah. They've got the club gear, you know? Right. He's like, yeah, I'm a shaman. No, we've seen all this stuff, right? Anyways, so basically I have never done that before, but I, I have, um, I've, I've had, I've been on a trip for like, you know, like two grand and stuff. And it's not for me and for other people, you know, I'm an A type, super A type personality. I just can't, can't let go. I feel trapped. I yeah. feel confined and I can't wait to get out, you yeah. know? And so for me, it doesn't work. I have to be, you know, under like 250 milligrams, which is like 0.2, you know, five yeah. a quarter gram, which yeah. is really, really low. Micro, you know? yeah. For a microdose, yeah. depending on the strain. Anyway, so the microdosing stuff really helped a lot and then. I'll tell you that the thing, the key about this is being present, right? We as a society have a huge problem today. We cannot be present, but we don't know how to be present, no. you know? And so babies are being raised with TikTok and they're like, that's the way to distract you. Right. So yeah. when you're with people and they're present, you feel as sincere, you know? So psilocybin helped me understand, helped me become present again. It taught me how to be present permanently. So you'll, I don't know, as we start to hang out more, you'll start, you'll start noticing that I'm probably one of the most present people you'll know as well, as well, in addition to being coachable, right? Right. And also, um, math, math, yeah, <laughs> yeah. do math Sorry. on the fly. We got this. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so essentially that made a huge difference, understanding 
how to be present, teaching myself how to be present again, and it just stops time. So you become super present. And uh, something really interesting happened. It was, you know, I have this unique, I had the worst memory ever. I could never remember anything. And something interesting happened. I have the best memory of anyone I know. I could, I remember every single word everyone says all the time, which is crazy. And so I thought that, hey, you know what? Oh, there's psilocybin's working really well in your brain and you know, it's doing something, right? And then I realized later on, it's not. It's just taught me how to be present. I was never present. So I was never listening to people. So you don't think it was opening up new neural pathways or anything? It is. In a way. In a way. But I think that the bigger part of it was that, hey, it taught me how to really be present, you know? And so that was a really important thing. So I was, you know, now I'm present, you know? And so I remember everything everyone says because I'm actually listening to them, which is a huge thing. Yeah. So this helped me so much. And now kind of going back to where, you know, um, understanding, you know, all the stuff that defined me, this helped me really, really realize what was important to me because I was super present all the time. And then I learned and I was trained by, um, a guru, um, and I was trained for a TM in transcendental meditation. And that helped me so much, you know, and I think, I feel like that if I didn't have that in my life last year, I don't know where I'd be right now. Cause I've had last year was a really challenging year at home invasion. I was almost killed. What? Yeah, it was really crazy, man. It was really wild. There's videos floating around all over the internet. Um, it was crazy. I chased the guy down the street with a gun. It was wild, you know? What? Crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty insane. So, but yeah, so all that stuff happened and, you, you know. that up on the screen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my shit. So the highlight in my stories. I'm, really? like, I'm going to go watch. You yeah. see it. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So the whole thing's like, like everything's on camera in the neighbor's house and everything. It was wild. So that happened, bunch of the things, relationship, that five-year relationship ended, my dog died, my cat died, like all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, really insane. Yeah. And, um, and I felt like the meditation, it, it really served its purpose and it was really fantastic. So I meditate twice a day, targets 20 minutes each time. Um, you're chanting a mantra that the TM coach assigns you. Mm. It's in Sanskrit and it's a unique to you. Mm. And, um, and I was trained by Denny and he's in Santa Monica and he's been training for 47 years, as long as I've been alive, 47 years, he's been training yeah. TM and he was trained by the guru who invented TM, um, by, by, you know, on his himself and, yeah. and he's been training all around the world. Like, yeah. oh, it's pretty crazy. So, well, so, okay. Let me ask you this then. Right. Um, you hear it's really like Wim Hof, right? Absolutely. And his, his breathing techniques. Sure. One of the things he, he quotes over and over and over and he says, get high on your own supply. Okay. Right. And that's a big thing about meditation yeah. or at least for breathing, because uh, psilocybin or mushrooms or whatever, actually any yeah. drug mm -hmm. doesn't give something that's or that's not like already there. It just releases in your brain what's already there, just releases a little bit more of it, right? Right. Um, so the chemical that's released when you take mushrooms is already in your brain. Mm -hmm. But what people have found, and correct me if I'm wrong yeah. here, is that people have found that they can have the same sort of focus, release, and mm -hmm. almost opening of the mind through meditation as they can through um, you know, taking the, the mushrooms. Absolutely. Is, is that correct? You know, it is. And there's a level of enlightenment, right? So I've heard of people reaching that level where, you know, they, they feel psychedelic, uh, effects from, you know, super deep meditations and, and some of these people are meditating all day, you know, it's, it's pretty insane. So for me, like I've, my, you know, my generally my longer side of meditation, the longer side of meditation for me is like an hour and 15 minutes, you know, and that's like it it's not intentional. I intend it to be 20 minutes and then I'm just so deep and gone. I have no idea where I am, you know, what time it is or anything. And it's like an hour and 15 minutes later or whatever it is. And this happens a lot. Right. And so, 
and that level of of rest it's non-sleep rest mm -hmm. it is so important for your brain it's deeper rest for your brain than you can get from any kind of sleep really yeah so it's it's pretty insane they're like REM cycles anything like absolutely that. watch deeper so it it's really important i haven't achieved that level yet mm -hmm. of where you know you feel psychedelic effects um, but yeah, I've heard of that, of people, you know, achieving that. It's pretty interesting. Do you pair the two together? So like, are no. you, you don't? No, absolutely okay, not. That's interesting. Why yeah. not? Because I feel like they're two different, you know, they're totally two, two different areas. And when you're meditating, you want to be completely, um, you want to, you, you want your mind to be completely like clear, clear, but you know, the, the way the TM works is you can have random stray thoughts and just get them out. It's fine. You push them out. This is this type of meditation is really great. There's no rules, you know. Yeah. You just like if it's loud, it needs to come out. You know all these thoughts, right? So um, the thing about mushrooms, though, I think is you know I've never tried it with meditating. I've just felt like it's like two kind two different things. I, I don't want to keep them separate, but yeah. I'm sure people have have done it. And because um, the kind of meditation I practice is very specific. It's TM. A lot of people practice all kinds of meditation that they've learned at home on their own and stuff like that. But this one's like, a, you're chanting a Sanskrit mantra, you know, which is like, it's pretty, it, it's like the sounds are triggering stuff, you know? So it's kind of sensitive, you know, from that perspective. Do you, so obviously your friend who introduced you, you know, to this has done some incredible things. He attributes a lot of his success to this new energy, you know, or like, or like way, way of being mentality or, you know, like medicine. What do you want? He's, he attributes a lot of that to this. Would you say the same thing? Would you venture that far to say a lot of your success or at least, you know, who you've become today, you attribute to these things as well? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I feel like this is what all this stuff has helped me really clear, clear the plate of realizing who I am. You know, it's like self-realization is the key, you know, like yes, yeah. that's what, like, that's what gets in the way of everyone. People think they are somebody that are not, they want to be somebody that they can't be, you know, because, you know, they're, they're the core beliefs are not, um, you know, are not consistent with that, you know, so. That's though, I'm really glad you said that actually, because something I recently actually just came across or just fell at least, was if there was one thing I would say like is the greatest, um, I don't have a mission of our lives is to discover exactly who you are, right? And to me, that is the number one most important thing about our entire lives is to discover exactly who you are, right? So when you're talking about that, because that by discovering who you are, you're who you are, you're also discovering who you're not. Right. Right. And able to like, you know, you know, get rid of anything else that might inter interfere or, you know, intercede with who you can become at your highest form. Right. Right. So it's fascinating. So you believe this has helped you not only discover more like new, you know, like or be more present, but mostly would you say if this accurate statement, it has helped you discover more of who you are than anything else. I feel like, yeah, absolutely, because it it allows you to be both of them they're tools that allow you to be super present yeah and i haven't found any other way to be more present than meditation and you know yeah and psilocybin i think yeah. i feel like you know there's a lot of people i have a friend who owns a, um a ketamine uh therapy company i have heard incredible things about that from yeah. actually people who they really do like they're you know people like from the cia or fbi who have to deal with some really dark stuff they say they swear by Ketamine therapy is something that helps you get out of mind. He owns um, ketamine therapy company and it's growing really fast. I do telehealth and stuff yeah. over the phone and then they send you the stuff. It's like a lozenge, you know, like a ketamine lozenge and stuff. And then, the, you know, it's supervisor or whatever. And they're doing really well. And I haven't done one yet. I'm, I'm planning on doing it. But yeah, it's called Better You Health. 
Uh, they're actually based in West Hollywood. Mm. But they have like clinics all over the country and stuff. And so that's growing pretty fast. There's that. And then there's the, um, they're doing MDMA therapy. It's very similar. You know, there's like California's pushing really hard to legalize uh, psilocybin right now right. for, you know, for therapy. Psilocybin is not legal in California? No. Is it legal anywhere in the U.S.? It is, yeah. It is? A couple parts of the country it is. And actually in San Francisco, it's it's legal. Ah. Uh -huh. Yeah, so it's just kind of like at a county level now. It's, yeah. No one cares, right? So there's a, there hasn't been any prosecution or no one going after anyone for psilocybin-related stuff at all. It's just like, it's, it's pretty much decriminalized. It's getting there. It's just the red tape hasn't been cut yet. Yeah, no one's been yeah. prosecuted for that stuff. So. Well, that's it's so interesting how we're talking about these plant medicines that are illegal. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, you could go through the whole uh, battle that's been happening with CBD or, you know, yeah, or yeah. THC or any of those things. I mean, these are literally fucking plants, yeah. right? That are, that are illegal. You know? yeah. So, but it's, it, and it's fascinating how, the plants. how it's, <laughs> you know, used in some form or fashion, but you know, there's no doubt that it, it's put here for a reason. It's definitely a tool. Sure. You know, and you know, for my experience, at least it's, it's, it's been life-changing, you know? So I'm really glad you're you know, not only talking about this to the audience, but also like, that's something you're pushing out more, right? With some of these new company, Ashante. Mm -hmm. Is that because you say Ashante, but when you say it's French, I think Ashante. Right, okay. right, right. It's like cheers, like to your health. Uh, right? okay. yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So I had this friend, is this friend, this French guy, mm -hmm. and I'd be around him all the time, you know, and he's just so, it's so cool, his accent, you know, and he would never say cheers, he'd just say Asante, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, like I was one of those guys all the time. So I'm like, yeah. I'm going to use that as a brand, you know. So next time you love a mushroom, you go, yeah. Asante. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried to get him to try it yet, but yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, man, you, you've brought some incredible stuff to the audience. I've, I've learned a ton just listening to you. If there's, you know, and I'm really excited to just kind of dive back deeper into what you've been saying here. But if there's one thing you'd want to leave our audience with, one, one last message, what would it be, brother? Yeah, I would say, you know, the thing that started with, which was not only be careful, it's not a defensive thing, right? Like it's more of an offensive thing, right? It's like you're proactively doing this, but you just be mindful. Maybe that's a better word. Be mindful of who you're around yeah. because you're going to become these people. So you should, you should be excited to become these people. If you're not excited to become these people, you need to change people, right? right. And you're not being disloyal by not being around people that you've been friends with for a really long time. You're on a new path yeah. and your path is, you know, it has to be consistent with the people that you're around and the people you're around have to be on a similar path, you know? So you can learn how to do anything that's already been done. You could replicate it. You know, it's super easy. Just find a way to get access to these people and try to find value for them. Yeah. Generally, the value generally is connecting with other good people. And that's how it is, you know, so. Dude, love it, man. Yeah. Love it. There's that, that rings true to me, especially these recent years, brother, man, I tell you. Having the wrong people around you makes a hell of a difference, man. Yeah. As opposed to having the right people around you. Detonate your life. Oh, yeah. we could go on for hours about that, yeah. right? Well, listen, man, I wish we could talk for more, you know, like hours on end. I feel like this is such a deep conversation we could have. But, you know, if the audience wanted to, you know, find more about you, you know, your new company and things you're doing, what's the best place uh, for them to get a hold of you? Obviously, Instagram. Yeah, you can put it on the screen, my Instagram, yeah. or you can send an email. It's my yeah, we'll link all this down below. So Instagram, website, or what would be the best email? Okay. email. All right, we'll, we'll make sure we get that information linked down below for you guys. Everybody go follow this guy. We'll link it down below. But seriously, Ted, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thanks so much. Pleasure to have you, bro. Pleasure.